Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's contemplation. And just so you know you're in the right place, this is me sharing some thoughts, some ideas, some inspiration that came through from the planets, the cards, and also um, our cosmic guides and my own sacred ancestors. Um particularly for the week of November 21st to November 27th. And um, as always, I invite you to listen intuitively to this recording that the point here is not for you to get all the details down necessarily, but I want to inspire you to feel into your own body, feel into your own energy, feel into your own emotions and thoughts and allow whatever is bubbling up for you to be information for you rather than um, just taking in what I said verbatim. You know, the point here is really to invite you into deeper contemplation as you move through your week, as you uh, make some space to consider what are the ways that the universe want to speak to you. So, just a quick astrological rundown, as always, to get us started. This week, um, there's not a lot of movements, necessarily. However, um, the movements that do happen this week are very significant. And I think they will be really felt on an energetic level, on a relational level, and most specifically on a spiritual level, which I think is going to be really exciting. Um, on Tuesday, November 22nd, the sun will enter Sagittarius. On Wednesday, Jupiter will station direct in Pisces. And we're also going to have a new moon in Sagittarius. That is when the sun is uh, conjoined the moon. And that new moon in Sagittarius is going to be squaring the asteroid Vesta, which is going to be in Pisces. Um, and that new moon in Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, which is currently um, also in Pisces. So all of that is extremely exciting. There's a lot of Pisces, a lot of Sag energy. There's a lot of Jupiter. And um, the sun is coming in, you know, with Vesta to have a party with Jupiter. And then later in the week on Saturday, um, November 26, Mars in Gemini is going to be making a trine, which is a 120 degree um, angle to Saturn, which is going to be in Aquarius. So the vibe here is really um, that there are going to be new ideas coming through, that when I sense into this week, it really has a lot to do with the idea of resolution. 
that in the past couple weeks, specifically in the week of um, the 8th, which is also when the eclipse happened, um, the 7th or the 8th, um, that's really where we see a lot of crunchiness kind of come up to the surface. This week is going to be a week where we see uh, where the solution is. If last week is more of like a liminal space where we begin to see the ray of light right at the end of the tunnel, but maybe we are not quite yet there, like it's not concrete yet to us and we're simply priming with our bodies and our minds to begin receiving these new ideas, these resolutions. This is the week where maybe some of those resolutions are going to become much more obvious to us. Now, I think while all of that sounds really amazing and optimistic and hopeful, I think there's a challenge in that because often we tend to think that in order for solutions to be actually valid, it has to be intellectually valid. Meaning, in order for us to be able to perceive something to be a solution to perhaps our problem or perhaps the way we've been seeing things, we felt like we need to really map it out with our mental faculties, right? But the truth is, looking at you know, the archetypes that are alive for this particular week, right? Jupiter, which is the traditional ruler of Sagittarius and Pisces, the resolution may be more on a spiritual, on an energetic level, that some some resolutions exist um, kind of like a miracle. And, you know, I kind of don't really like using that word because it's a little, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of uh, baggage associated with the word miracle, right? But um, it can really actually come through in, meaning solutions can really come through in new ways of looking at things, right? And suddenly just saying, we're no longer doing that and we're doing this. And then suddenly the problem feels like it's solved, you know? So the challenge I think in this week is to notice the places where we may be getting stuck in thinking that something needs to be hard because we are not yet able to completely map out on an intellectual level what the solution needs to look like. When in reality, if we um, allow ourselves to kind of descend into more of the practical or emotional level or even somatic level, we may feel that there's actually relative ease here. And ease doesn't have to look like a certain way, right? You can, um, you have permission to access ease in whatever ways feel good to you. But I think this is going to be a week where our old ways and the ways that we are stuck in those old ways of looking, of thinking, of considering um, any particular situation is going to come up to the surface, right? As sun, uh, the principle of illumination enters the sign of Sagittarius, it's going to become obvious where we are still holding on to the ways that um, we think something has to be a certain way in order for it to be valid. Where are you believing that reality is actually more solid than it actually is, right? something that came through for me was that um, especially when it comes to the world right that we're currently living in 
and just the nature of reality. We live in a relational reality. We are always, you know, it's very much a part of the human condition to be comparing two things um, in order to understand the world, right? Or, or to understand things in binary or like polarity. Um, and I think this is wonderful in many ways because this is the mercurial function, right? The mercurial function is that we need to understand what lies at the extreme edges of things in order for us to be able to see the whole picture, right? Later in the future. Like we need to study the, the opposite ends of the spectrum in order for us to have a sense of what the big picture is. However, we can also get a little confused when we see two things with different approaches and we can automatically put them in um, in like two different bins, right? So what I really mean by that is where are you confusing different approaches with different values? So let me, let me give you a very uh, concrete example here. So if any of you are Harry Potter fans, right, you know that Professor Snape had a very different temperament, had a very different approach, and shows up very differently to Professor Dumbledore, right? But, and you know, and for a while, for many, many books, right, <laughs> in the Harry Potter series, we thought that Snape was the problem here, right? That Snape was the villain. When in reality, later we found that both Snape and Dumbledore were um, joined by the same mission, which was to protect Harry Potter and to um, basically cultivate Harry's gifts in order for him to later be able to defeat Voldemort, right? And so this makes me think of the Sag and the Pisces square. It's really interesting that the two signs ruled by Jupiter traditionally, are both, um, they're kind of, you know, one is Sagittarius and the other one is Pisces, right? And they are within the wheel of the zodiac in a square to each other, right? And squares are 90 degree angles and they represent, um, they can represent conflict, you know, they can represent like a certain discomfort, a certain sense of like, um, no, we're supposed to be doing things this way, not that way. You know, and I think with Sagittarius and Pisces, specifically, these two archetypes, they're both mutable signs, right? One is mutable fire, one is mutable water. Sag is mutable fire and Pisces is mutable water. And it's really interesting to be considering how they are different in terms of their temperament, their approach, how they show up to a space, right? Um, Sag comes in pretty strong, right? Sag comes in with a lot of con conviction. And Pisces comes in with a lot of questions, you know, and Pisces don't tend to maybe have a lot of answers. But both of them are really unified by a desire to understand a bigger picture, right? A desire to, um, to stabilize, to um, inspire. And so, the invitation here, I think, or the challenge is in noticing where we are imposing dualities, right? When in reality, something is simply two sides of the same coin. So 
this can really appear in many different areas of life, right? But perhaps you are confusing, you know, your two different friends who have very different agenda, have very different temperament. And um, you might be thinking that like, you know, they're not on the same team or they wouldn't really get along with each other. Or you may even see this playing out relationally with you and a partner where maybe the two of you have very different approaches, but your goal is actually the same. But in that moment, you know, in the Jupiterian um, largeness, right, of both the Sag and the Pisces, there can be a sense of like difference, you know, with that square, there can be a sense of like, but we're not playing for the same team here. But my invitation is for you to relax a little bit, right? Your ideas of like what um, solutions need to look like, what the valid ideas or the valid ways of being need to look like, and begin tuning in to kind of the underlying motivation, right? Because often, maybe what you'll find this week is that... Um, these seemingly opposing forces actually have the same agenda, right? Or have the same, they're kind of going for the same, um, they're going for the same thing, but they're just approaching it in a very, very different way. We're being invited to consider fresh ideas, new approaches, to set our eyes to consider ways that we can make shifts for our lives, right? Hope is always available to us, but we can get swept away in our own convictions around what hope needs to look like in order to count as hope. And similarly, when we're thinking about Jupiter, the idea of spiritual support is very present, right? And one can say that spiritual support is always available and always inherent to us, right? There are always unseen guides that want to help us move through situations. But sometimes when we're too convinced that the kind of support that we want is actually the kind of support we need, then we can get really stuck, right? So the question here is, where are we a little bit too convinced for our own good that the kind of support we are yearning for, that we are desiring, is the kind of support we actually need at this moment? You know, this question of the difference between want and need and how sometimes your wants are your needs and how sometimes your needs are also your wants is present energetically, in my opinion, for this week. There is an invitation to use our ability to grasp larger frameworks, illuminate our own philosophies, right? Thinking about Sun and Sagittarius, um, in order to dilate our ability to perceive the hope and the support that's always been there. So rather than using our ability to see frameworks, to see our own philosophies, our own perceptions of reality, to kind of critique the reality, there is an invitation here to actually use that ability, right, for big picture thinking, to consider where hope and where support is always available. We are also invited this week to consider the possibility that the real-world solution is not as inaccessible or as impossible as we think it is. I really love 
contemplating on the Mars and Saturn trine that's happening towards the end of the week because to me, Mars represents um, action and Saturn represents principle or foundation, right? And when the two of them are aligned and when the two of them are not only collaborating but have this deep, you know, kind of really sexy resonance with one another, we can begin to see where in our lives have we built strong foundations, right? Because strong foundations ultimately help us create movements that are easeful, that are less calculated, and ultimately more powerful. Knowing who you are at a core level, at the root level, what is already accessible to you? right? Where are you invited to take action that is supported by the foundation of who you are as a person or what you've been cultivating, both relationally and within your own self or your own domain? So what I mean by that is if you've been learning something for a while, if you've been laying the foundation to maybe create an offering or launch something or to make a move on somebody that you've kind of had your eyes on, this might be the time where you begin to see or it becomes clear to you what are the steps that you need to take in order to make your dreams actually happen, right? My invitation for you for this week is to remember that you can, in fact, make a move that having a solid foundation is not the same as knowing all of the steps. So this has been coming up a lot in readings that I've been doing recently around the difference between planning and strategizing. Planning is plotting exactly what you want to do or what you need to do, and then scheduling exactly when to do it. Now, don't get me wrong, planning is amazing right? When you have a tight timeline that's perhaps coming from an external source, like maybe at work, you know, your boss is saying, okay, we have a very tight timeline, we have to get something out by this time, then planning is fabulous. Without planning, everything's just going to fall apart, right? However, when we are too rigid about our plans, it can take us out of the superpower that we humans have that is strategizing, right? So we're really intuitive beings, a lot of us have the capacity to kind of sense, you know, using our spidey web, right? Sense into what is the truth of the situation and what's being called for at that moment. If we have enough of a distance emotionally, right, uh, from a particular situation, often we can really sense into what's needed here. How can I play a role in order to get the story moving, in order to get the ball rolling, right? And when we get stuck in planning mode, we're not really able to tune into all the resources that are available to us because we're so focused, right, on having it work out using the plan that we've already created. Like there's a certain attachment that we can have with the plan that we created. And so... The question here is what creative solutions are you not seeing because you're so far inside your own mental realm when you're so invested in the plan that you've created. Now, strategizing is very different because strategizing comes from a space of knowing your value, right? And being able to kind of have wisdom to use um, symbols or feedback or uh, situations that are emergent in order to um, then have the ability to kind of like, hmm, 
what I'm trying to say is that strategizing to me feels like knowing all the tools that you have at your disposal with a lot of intimacy and being able to have the enough flexibility and enough um, perspective and mental nimbleness to be able to tap into the right tool in order to do the right thing, right? So strategizing is very different because strategizing may be you just kind of focusing on like a simple question that you continue to ask yourself. And when the answer is yes, you use this tool, right? And before the answer is yes, you continue to do nothing, right? That's more what strategizing is. Strategizing is being able to see the multiple realities or the multiple um, pathways that the situation can take place. And then having a sense of like, if it goes this way, then I will tap into this resource or I will kind of do this, right? And so I invite you to feel into this difference of planning and strategizing and giving yourself a little bit of extra space, right? To not get so stuck in this idea that planning has to look a certain way or that your plan has to work out a certain way, but rather have a little bit of space so that you can um, respond with a wise strategy, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so what are some supportive practices for this coming week? Let's talk about that. When I sat to contemplate on this question of supportive practices, what I received was actually quite simple. Um, it's to journal, or maybe if you have a relationship with the tarot or oracle cards, you can also do that. And I will be sharing this um, this tarot spread, um, which you can access in the show notes. The questions for the tarot spread here is really oriented towards investigating your own ideas around hope and inspiration. So the first question is, where do you resist hope, right? Where are you getting stuck in thinking that hope needs to look a certain way? What beliefs are you here to release about hope? And really this question, I also would love to invite you into contemplating whose ideas, whose thoughts, whose concerns about hope are you adopting, perhaps subconsciously and unwillingly? Which ones of these ideas, thoughts, concerns are not in resonance and not in affinity with you, right? What are you ready to release here? In what ways you know, this is kind of conversely, right? Also, in what ways are you subconsciously invalidating others whose relationship to hope looks different to yours, right? Because there can be a sense of coming into our own truth or knowing our own truth about what hope is supposed to look like or what inspiration is supposed to look like and then feeling like the other, you know, another person's way of approaching this is not valid, right? So, the first question about resisting hope really has to do with um, investigating these beliefs that are not yours, right? And um, also investigating where judgment comes up because that can also be a response of you having had to mutate yourself or um, shift yourself to adopt some sort of stance that's not yours, right? To me, that's often when judgment comes up. Judgment comes up when we are taught that 
things have to look a certain way when actually that's not really the truth for us or not really the truth in general. And then the second question is what frameworks, practices, or relationships help you cultivate authentic hope? And what I want you to really ponder upon here is the idea of authentic hope because hope for you doesn't need to look like how hope looks like for anybody else, right? I think hope is more a feeling. Hope is more a felt sense of being that often you don't even really know. You know, for some of us, maybe we don't even really know it until we stumble upon it, right? And so um, the second question here is oriented towards cultivating our sense of authentic hope. How can you notice genuine hope coming up within you, within your system, when it's present, right? What brings you hope? Maybe what brings you hope is, you know, looking at a tree when you're out in nature, right? Um, when you're taking a walk, or maybe what brings you hope is the sound of um, children laughing, or whatever that may be, right? Or like, you know, your favorite music coming on to a random playlist you're currently listening on in at Spotify, right? Whatever it is, right? Um, really, I think asking for guidance here um, around frameworks that you can begin investigating or begin getting curious about, practices you can adopt or relationships you can really lean upon to cultivate um, this sense of hope. And then the third question is, what role does hope serve at this point in my path? And this to me is always an interesting question because sometimes like the question around like what role does something play in you know in my path like seems so obvious but often i really like to pull cards around this because maybe the answer is completely not obvious to you and then it will be a great learning and reflection point for you now i want to also say here if the word hope for some reason, really doesn't resonate with you, then I invite you to supplement it with some other word. I mean, one uh, substitute that I was thinking about is actually the word inspiration. And to me, hope and inspiration are not the same, but they're also not too different. And here's how the two are kind of linked for me personally. I like to think of how hope is essentially inspiration with sight right? With inspiration, sometimes we can only see what's here or what's a couple steps ahead of us. Like a lot of us maybe receive information for or inspiration for a creative project or how to talk to a person that we've been having a difficult relationship with, right? And often inspiration is just kind of like a breath of fresh air, right? Inspiration feels to me maybe a little bit more like in the Gemini or even in the Piscean realm. Like there's something kind of um, not diluted. Diluted is not the right word. Um, it's kind of like effusive. I think, I hope that's the right word, but it's kind of um, elusive is what I'm trying to get at. Like inspiration can feel a little elusive, right? Meanwhile, you can maybe kind of think of hope as inspiration that's already been walking like 
for a few blocks, you know, rather than just seeing a few steps, like this inspiration has been, you know, taking a walk around the block and it's like, okay, now I kind of see what's going on, right? To me, hope is a muscle. Hope comes up when we follow our inspiration enough to begin cultivating a sense that that inspiration is valid, right? Or it's worth pursuing, or it has the potential to make us feel fulfilled and make us feel happy. So that's just something for you to think about in case the word hope doesn't truly resonate with you. All right, so finally, as always, I like to pull cards um, to just kind of see, you know, if any card wants to guide us, wants to support us in this process uh, that we're moving through this week. And the card that came through is the Ten of Pentacles from the Moonchild Tarot and the Uranus card from the Celestial Bodies deck. Now, you can take a look at the cards in the link in the show notes below, as always, you know that. Um, but both cards, what I find so interesting about these two cards is they, they don't have human figures at all in the cards, right? The Ten of Pentacles is like these uh, rocks, kind of like Easter Island kind of rocks uh, scenery. And then the Uranus obviously has Uranus on it, right? And then has like these kind of like spheres of fiery looking thing um, over like a cloudy expanse. And so it's very interesting to me to consider that these two cards that want to come forward this week for our guide, for our supports, really don't have human figures within them, right? It's okay if you would want to detangle your sense of hope from humanity, Admittedly, there are many very valid reasons for us not to want to have hope given the state of the world, given the state of humanity, right? And as beings who are conscious about what's going on, as beings who are sensitive to the energetic goings on of the world, you may be in a place where you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Hope is like the last thing I'm thinking about, right? Or the last thing that I'm feeling. And if that's where you find yourself, these cards to me, really want to come forward and to affirm you and to remind you to give yourself a lot of compassion. There's nothing wrong with you if you are not seeing any hope in the human narrative. Instead, perhaps there's an invitation here to actually consciously look beyond the human narratives for hope. For some of you, that may look like deepening your own devotional spiritual practice to the cosmic guides that you've been cultivating relationships with, right? Maybe a particular planet, maybe Jupiter, or maybe to an archetype within mythology that maybe you've been finding yourself inspired by. Recently, I've been finding myself for the past few months really inspired by Ekate or also, you know, pronounced Hecate sometimes. Um... Just let yourself, you know, kind of um, fall down that rabbit hole, right, of doing deeper research and getting to know this archetype. Remember that your studies, your intellectual studies, looking at different mythologies, different books, can be a devotional practice, right? When we think about devotional practice, often for a lot of us, it we think that it needs to look like creating an altar, or journaling every day. That's really beautiful. However, your devotional practice can look like whatever you need it to look like at this moment, 
right? Maybe your devotional practice is playing music. Maybe your devotional practice is taking a nap, right? All of that is fabulous. And also, I guess, when I look at these two cards, I'm kind of inspired to um, give you the suggestion to maybe look at um, figures or archetypes or energies that have been calling to you for a while that perhaps you haven't really made the time to build a relationship with, right? And building a relationship can look, again, so many different ways. Reading about um, Uranus or Jupiter or the Ten of Pentacles, right? Reading can be relationship building, you know? And all of that is such valid ways of moving with this and through this. Orient towards what truly inspires you and follow up on that inspiration, right? That to me is really what this week is going to be calling us to um, invite ourselves into. All right. That's all that I'm going to share about navigating the energy of this week. I hope that some of what I share here is able to inspire you to deepen your own contemplations and that it will provide some really juicy points of reflection for you as you navigate this week. And just a reminder that, you know, astrology or the astrological weather can look like one thing and then your human experience can look very different, you know. And so if um, the guidance here doesn't necessarily mirror your experience, I want you to trust your own experience and I want you to let, um, to me the point really is to spend time, right, to really think about and consider and feel into um, our existence as humans, you know, it's not really about um, making sure that it goes a certain way, you know, or that the energy follows a certain direction. Um, life is messy, life is complicated. And no matter where you find yourself within that spectrum of messiness and complication or uh, orderliness and lack of complication, if that's your, if that's the case for you, then really good for you. I'm so happy for you. Um, wherever you find yourself in that range of the human experience, I want to um, send you so much compassion and so much love. And yeah, I hope that um, this serves. And as always, if you have found this message to be helpful for you in some shape or form, I would really, really love it if you could um, send a review or um, post a review on Apple Podcast. Truly on Apple Podcast, two or three sentences is more than enough. You don't need it. It doesn't need to be anything more than that, right? It can just be very short and sweet and... Um, know that when you're doing that, you're really helping other people find um, this work and that maybe other people will be supported as well. So um, if you feel like maybe there's a friend who needs to hear this that may be inspired by this or that can really benefit from these contemplations, I would love it if you can share it with them. All right. Until next time, I am sending you so much love and I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for being here.